0: are all leaving. How sad. Not all of them. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> yep, I love teamwork here. We've, uh, we've got part of a lesson. The gospel reading today talks about Jesus Christ going around preaching, worshiping, and ultimately um, making a presentation where he quoted uh, one of the the prophets of old, Isaiah. The thing that I don't like about it is it's sort of taking half the show. Do you ever watch TV shows where maybe the hour runs out and then leaves you hanging there and it says, to be continued? I think, ah... Uh. Well, that's what we've got. We've got a to-be-continued lesson, and this is pretty innocuous. The whole gospel lesson this morning talks about Jesus uh, going throughout all the region of Galilee and going to the synagogues and getting a lot of affirmation. It says he was praised by everyone. Doesn't talk about anyone grumbling. Then he talks about him going home to Nazareth where he was raised, where he grew up. And then in that day, in his own home home synagogue or church, uh, he was invited to read the lesson for the day. And, of course, in those days, there was no New Testament yet. It was just the Old Testament, and, and Isaiah was one of the premier books of the Old Testament. So it was pretty important for him to be able to do that. And he did. But what he took... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he, we, if it was our Bible, he would have closed it. This one, it was a scroll. That's how they had the word of God in those days. He rolled it up and handed it back to the person that was in charge of protecting it, putting it properly away. And then he said something that leaves us hanging, just like the to be continued. It says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And we think, okay, that's nice. That's nice. Amen. Now let's boogie and have lunch someplace. You know, it doesn't leave you on the edge of your seat. It seems like that's the end of the story, and it was just not a very interesting story, but it was a good one, nothing contentious, nothing to get you all white-knuckled and nervous. But for the people there that day, it did. You see, the passage he, he chose, and he quoted, said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim, and so on. Me, meaning Jesus. Now, if they had what we do with the lessons prescribed in uh, some sort of ecclesiastical uh, workbook that says we're going to have an Old Testament lesson, we're going to have a psalm, we're going to have this. Here, I don't even have it. If you looked it up, you would have seen that today we had Psalm 19 and we had... Nehemiah Nehemiah eight, one to three, five to six, eight to ten. You had second reading, First Corinthians, Saint Paul's letter to the Corinthians, first time around, chapter twelve, verses twelve and so forth. And then the Gospel of Luke. It's all written out. We know what we're supposed to have and the preacher knows well, these are the texts you're supposed to print or print and preach on it didn't work in those days and Jesus picked whichever one he wanted and he did and it was this one that said times are changing times are changing things are going to be different big stuff is going to start and it's going to start with me and so the people didn't say well he's just reading from the lessons that was assigned they said why did he pick this one? Why did he set himself up to be the leader? And essentially what he's doing is saying, look, we got a job to do. We've waited around long enough. It's time to start doing something. And this is what Isaiah says we're going to do. And by golly, that's what you should do. And the people said, who is he? He grew up here. I mean, he was just a little guy, he was Joseph the carpenter's son, Mary's son. We saw him. You know, he used to call me Sir. And now I'm supposed to call him Messiah? I don't think so. I don't think so. What makes him think he's such hot stuff? Now if you read it that way, we can see that this is building and it's building up fast. And something big's going to happen next week. Although I wish it was today because it would be a nice flow to have the whole story complete. But I'm going to leave you sitting on the edge of your seats and I'm hoping that you're going to say, Boy, I can hardly wait to come again next Sunday to get the rest of the story. And I hope I see each and every one of you here next Sunday. Because the rest of the story is even more exciting than this part. But he's saying, this is serious business, what we're doing. This really is important. And each one of you is important to God's plan. You need to, to understand, it's not enough to simply come and, and sit in your places in the synagogue. By the way, the temple was where they officially worshipped. And the synagogue was sort of like the Sunday school building. That's where they heard lessons and studied together. But it was kind of a crossover. If they were a small congregation, they kind of used the space, kind of like we do here, for worship, but also for other things like Sunday school class or Mardi Gras party or, or Sisters in Christ banquet. You know, they used the space, and it was kind of a crossover. And the synagogue was the name of the building. The temple was that big old edifice in Jerusalem. In any case, he was saying, you are important. We can talk about it later. But for now, this is what Isaiah said, and this is what you need to know. In those days, remember that Israel was ruled by Rome, and Rome had an official state religion that had nothing to do with the God of Israel or the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, and so on. They believed in Zeus, and they believed in all those, those Roman gods. We are gathered 2,000 years later in a land that's pretty secular on the whole, but has such diversity among the churches that in America we have churches that aren't even Christian. We've got Muslim churches, we've got Hindu churches, we've got Buddhist temples, we've got... Uh, mormon temples we've got all kinds of different churches and religions and then we've got civil religion which doesn't really have anything to do with god at all but talks more about patriotism and how to live in a great country of freedom such as we have here with lots of diverse activities that people can be a part of and after a while we stop thinking about having a duty or the imminence of God's plan for us. We think worship is kind of kind of something for for the really super religious people. The ones that seem inclined to really get down and pray a lot on their knees. So, you know, like Lutherans have a lot of calluses on their knees from kneeling and praying. And the only one here today we can check on is, is Mr. Garrison, because he's the only one with shorts. But you can see his knees are pretty calloused over. I was reading in the paper this past week, Just actually it was just yesterday, I look up online to see how my Dodgers are doing in the Los Angeles Times, but also to find out what's going on in the neighborhood where... Ingas and my son and daughter-in-law and grandsons live. And the lead story was about something that's going on in a town called Compton. Some of you have heard of Compton, Southern California, a Los Angeles suburb. And one of the problems is that there's strife for the churches, well, and for a race. Years ago when I was in Luther League, which is the, the youth group, the high school group. Uh, We had exchanges once in a while with other churches, youth groups, and one of them was in Compton, and that one was predominantly black. In fact, I think all the kids in their Luther League were black. We had a good time together. It was uh, pretty much an African-American community. Well, changes have taken place over the years, and now it's, for one reason or another, it's about 75 80% Hispanic, which is fine. I mean, the Hispanics... In Compton are, by and large, really good people, but there are some really bad ones, too, that are in gangs. And the gangs are trying to chase all of the African Americans out by intimidation or even attacks, physical attacks. And churches aren't immune. And I have a picture. I can't show it to you. You can't see it too big. But this is a a Christian church in Compton. Maybe like the one that Jesus was talking to in Nazareth under the Roman rule. But that one you can see a steeple at the top, a cross, and sort of a little tower. And you can see some writing on it. It's graffiti. It's graffiti. That's a black congregation. And the gangs got in, and they spray-painted the tower and the walls of the church with gang tags names of gang members, and all of this to intimidate people to get out. In our society as a whole, we're making so much of the unimportance of Christian faith. It's okay to worship if you want and to go where you want to worship, but it's more important to go to these activities and to do this and to do that. It is a time of crisis just as it was according to Jesus way back in that first century. He said, you got a mission to do. you got to spread the good news about God. you got to let people know that not just one racial group is important here, not just one denomination, but all people, all people are important to God, are beloved to God. I don't think it's any less important today than it was back in Jesus' day in Nazareth. That was a Saturday. They worshipped on Saturday there. But, you know, same thing as a Sunday. We worship on Sunday, by the way. In case you're wondering why is it that we Christians, most Christians, worship on Sunday, it's because we are honoring the day that Jesus rose from the grave, the greatest act that ever took place in all of history. It was God's final... Yabol, to the fact that we have been saved from death. Jesus rose from the grave on Easter Sunday, and that's why we worship on Sunday. But it's not enough to worship on Sunday, is it? And then forget about our faith the rest of the week. Now I've been preaching for, I'm not sure how many minutes. Has anyone been keeping track? Seven minutes. Seven minutes. (laughs) Well, I have an answer to some of this. How long should a good sermon be? It should be like a woman's skirt, long enough to cover the essentials and short enough to keep you interested. Amen. Okay, Um, a preacher was on a program at a district convention to preach for 20 minutes. The other preachers from the district were sitting behind him in the choir section, giving him moral support and throwing an occasional amen to help the preacher along. The preacher preached for his 20 minutes and continued on despite his allotted time. He preached for 30 minutes, then 40 minutes, then for an hour. He even continued for an hour and 10 minutes. Finally, a brother sitting in the front row took a songbook and threw it at the preacher that was still going strong in his message. The preacher saw that the songbook saw the songbook it was hurled his way and just in the moment he ducked. Well that songbook flew over his shoulder and it hit one of the preachers sitting in the choir section. As the man in the choir section was going down you could hear him say, Hit me again, I can still hear him preaching. Jesus didn't preach hardly long at all on that, son, that Saturday, that Sabbath day in Nazareth. But for some of them, it was too long. It got them riled up. And like I said, to be continued. We heard about St. Jerome this morning. And to that, I have one last story. There was a young lion who wandered from his father to test whether or not he would get the same respect from other animals as his father did. As the young lion approached some monkeys, he roared and asked, "'Who is the king of the jungle?' And the monkeys, being terrified, said, "'Of course, well, you are.' The lion replied, "'And don't you forget it!' The lion repeated this to each animal in the jungle and got pretty much the same response until he came across a herd of elephants. The little lion roared and asked, "'Who is the king of the jungle?' Well, the big bull elephant walked closer to the lion, swooped him up in his trunk, swung him around and around and threw him into the river. Well, battered and wet, the little lion replied, just because you didn't know the answer to the question didn't mean that you had to get nasty about it. Well, remember, Jesus says, we got a mission. We got stuff to do. Not not to get riled up about it, not to get nasty about it, but to do it with the confidence that he is right here with us. And my brothers and sisters, my dear friends in Christ, he is with us. He is with us, and great things are in store. They really are. Now before I see anyone pick up one of those hymnals and with a look of ire in their eye, I'm going to say one more thing. Amen.